And welcome to We're Totally Not Okay. <laughs> but that's okay. A podcast about the intersection between mass media culture and mental health. I'm Kaylee Legrand. And I'm Tanya Bevin. So if you've been tuning in with us for a while, you know that we talk a lot about finding our balance through yoga, meditation, and crystals. And today, we have a guest who shares these same similarities, as well as other similarities on her own journey. Yeah, including the fact that she has her own podcast, too. Yeah, yeah, she does. It's called Wannabe Balanced Mom. Mm -hmm. Which originally, I think, started as a blog and now has turned into a book. Uh, We'll have a bunch of links for that. She talks a little bit about it. And she talks about finding her balance as well on her own journey. But she's also able to bring a very different perspective than ours since she's a mother. And (laughs) we, I mean scripts are my babies, projects are my babies, but I do not know what it's like to birth another human being. Not just that, we get pretty deep with our conversation. We do, yeah. Uh, She talks about how she lost her religion, what finding truth means to her. We even talk about the particular type of bra or underwear or undergarments, I think is uh, the word that she uses, and how that actually affected her role within her community. Well, on that note, let's roll the tape. Oh, punny. My name is Crystal Escobar, and I'm also known as the Wannabe Balanced Mom. I have a few different titles. I guess I wear a few different hats because I'm a mom of four and a wife of 15 years. I've been blogging for almost 10 years, and recently have become a published author and also I'm a podcaster as well. My husband and I both have our own podcast that we are actually just finished up our season three and taking a little break for the summer. But yeah. And and of course my husband and I are um are I guess you'd say semi retired. We from a network marketing company called Isogenics. Mm-hmm. We still work but not as much as we did in the beginning and now we just kinda are more creative with our time and that's why we do our podcast and have a YouTube channel and my blog and all that fun stuff. So it kind of keeps us busy. (laughs) Very cool. And your podcast is how I came across you. I found you actually, I think through Instagram. So the wonderful world of social media, I found you on that and discovered your podcast. And that's the reason why we reached out and wanted to chat with you because it seems like you talk about similar things to the conversations we tend to have on our podcast. We talk about mental health and you talk about, you know, keeping yourself sane as a mother and an entrepreneur. Maybe you can talk about how you got into, why you wanted that to be the focus of your podcast. Yeah, I was listening to some of your episodes last night and to get an idea of all the different things you guys discuss and I love it. (laughs) Thanks. But yeah, I think my whole my my blog has really been a lot about personal development and balance is something that I struggled with, felt like so overwhelmed with all the different um, all the different demands of a mother and also feeling this pull or this need to do something 
aside from motherhood, you know, like I just was not, um, I just felt there, it was very important for me to take the time to do things that, that I wanted to do, you know, have some sort of a creative outlet for myself as a mom, because it is very demanding and <laughs> round the clock work. And I think it is very important for moms to take the time to discover their gifts and their talents and to use them. And I think oftentimes moms, which I, I admire too, at the same time, moms give a hundred percent of their time to their kids and it's all great. But then I think it, oh, a lot of women are left feeling very depleted and, and just um, even anxious a lot of the time. I think anxiety is kind of a, a common emotion that we feel as moms because we feel so like we're giving so much of our time to our kids and not really doing things that replenish us. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I talk a lot about that and trying to balance um, balance that, taking care of yourself and taking care of your kids. Yeah, I I can only imagine. I don't have children, neither Tanya or I have children of our own. Um, and I mean, we call like our scripts or our projects, the, the movies that we create, those are our babies. <laughs> and it's very different. Um, what I found super fascinating, firstly, the, the image of, you know, that idea where in a plane, if the oxygen masks deploy, that you're supposed to put your own on first before helping anybody else. That was the idea that I was left off with um, hearing you explain that. And also the last episode of your podcast that you put out, it, it left me with that sort of idea of, oh, right, you need to take care of yourself before you can offer any kind of help to anybody else because if you're trying to help somebody from a place of depletion already what do you really have to give are you offering something of a a solid foundation and your last episode was so interesting you talked about leaving your religion you talked about finding some anxiety in that step away from something that you have known for so much of your life and it's it sat with me is that in any way do you think that they're connected having become a mother and living the life of a mother has that had any kind of connection with the way that your either religion or spirituality has evolved yeah definitely um in our religion it's it is very demanding in the religion that i was in and i felt like never measure I was never measuring up because there was always more that I should and um that I should have been doing you know and and that really caused me to feel a lot more overwhelmed and now I just I feel like I'm in such a good place to be able to release all that and kind of just be on my own spiritual journey because I was constantly feeling like I had to do things a certain way otherwise I wouldn't be blessed by God and good things wouldn't happen to me or even worried that bad things might happen to me if I'm not living up to all the different standards and you know there's just uh, so many things that are required <laughs> in our religion uh, on moms moms are in our religion are and I don't mind mentioning mentioning the name of the religion but I don't know if you wanted me to yeah no absolutely Okay, um, it's the it's the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, also known as Mormons, mm-hmm. and it's a religion that I grew up in my entire life. And there came a time, just last year at this time, 
actually, that I started having a lot of questions and doubts and wondering, wait a minute, because we're, you know, I believed that our religion was the one and only true religion. All the other religions were wrong. They have some of the truth, but our, the, the Mormon church has all of the truth. So it kind of, it kind of made me feel in a way that I was, I hate to say this, but I was a little bit better than other people because I was part of a religion that had all of the truth. And, and, you know, you kind of feel like, wow, I'm so blessed to have been born in this religion and, and I have all of the truth and kind of, it's just a different way of operating that I realize now and I can look back and be like, wow, I can't believe that. I thought that the Mormon church out of the entire world <laughs> is like, that's like the, the Mormon population is less than 1% of the entire population. And here I am thinking, well, they're the one, the only ones that are right. Everyone else in the world is wrong. <laughs> they just don't have all of the truth, but we'll, we'll, we'll do our part to, preach the gospel and and spread the truth to you know all over the world and so it's just kind of interesting now looking back and being like wow I can't believe I I um I put myself up on this pedestal in a way thinking that I knew just a little bit more than <laughs> most moms you know and <laughs> and yeah it just feels it's very humbling to <laughs> I guess lose your religion which is what happened to me I felt like suddenly you know we're we're in this age of information where everything is accessible and, and, you know, there's a lot of people that don't really have an interest in doing the research on their own religion. And then, and then I think, and that's how I was, and that's how I operated the majority of my life. It's like, yeah, I'm, I just have faith. I know it's true. And just going to trust that everybody's, everybody is telling the truth about it. And, and I never really took the time to do my own research and even, question if it was true or not i just thought no it's for sure true i would never even question if it's not true you know why would why would people lie to me you know so Mm -hmm. i decided after considering the numbers in the world and thinking well why would god only choose a small select people to have the fullness of the gospel and once i started diving into the research i was very shocked and surprised to learn about my own religion (laughs) realize that a lot of it's just um, made up stories. Some of it, I think, teaches great lessons, but a lot of it, I think, can be very damaging, especially to women, because it is very much a patriarchal uh, religion. The men have more of the power, and they have the authority, and and as women, we're taught that we, we should just submit to our husbands, and, and, and just, I, I just always believe that my husband was always right <laughs> and you know and, right. and I just don't think that's a very healthy way to have a marriage and think oh I I'm I'm less than him you know he has the power of the priesthood and I should just submit to whatever he wants all the time <laughs> is that something that exists within certain doctrines like in scriptures that you grew up with that those are some of the doctrines that you had to break with you found yeah yep that's what we're taught and and in the temple ceremonies, they they say to, you know, you should hearken unto the counsel of your husband as he hearkens unto the counsel of the Lord. So you feel as though you can't even go directly to God 
I mean, of course we can pray and, and feel like we have a connection with God and we see God for ourselves, but ultimately it felt like, but my husband's always right because he's, he's the one I'm supposed to ask for counsel from, you know, and then he can go to God. So I don't yeah. really, it, it just kind of puts this, you know, subtle belief. I don't think I even realized how, how much it um, affected my everyday life. And my husband is on the same path as me. So it's not like we are, you know, it's not like he even really realized it either until we both stepped away and were like, whoa, I can't believe that we were acting this way or, you know, believed that. And so it is, it feels yeah. like we've come a long way in our own spiritual journeys and it's definitely more of a, an equal partnership and it's, it's a lot healthier for our, for our marriage and just for our own spiritual growth, I think, to know that we can ha- have um, direct connection to God or source or whatever you want to call it and and know that we don't even have to go through a prophet. That's what I was always taught too. Every time I would think, oh, maybe I should. And another thing is women aren't advised to work. You know, women, you know, moms are not advised to work. So I always felt like guilty because I always had my blog the majority of my time being a mom. And it just made me feel like, oh, I, sh- I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be taking time away from my kids. And and so, yeah, I constantly had this guilt that I wasn't doing everything just right. And like I said, that's why I thought maybe I wasn't going to receive certain blessings or, you know, maybe even bad things might happen to me because I'm not being exactly the way God wants me to be. And the prophets would teach certain things. And so, yeah, it's, it has to do, you know, with me always questioning my own desires and and my own beliefs that I think I had deep down inside wondering why do I need to you know go through a prophet why can't I just decide what is right for me so anytime I'd ever have something that I wanted to do or a question about my own life for me or for my kids I just felt like I had to search scriptures and search different talks from prophets and and try to find the answers there instead of just finding the answers from deep within you know so that right. was always very frustrating for me. Was there something in particular? Were there any um, particular happenings in your life that caused you to start looking within or start questioning? Or was it something that just kind of one day you thought of questioning the religion that you were raised in? I think it just, I think that it happens because and I, I like to call it an awakening because it's like suddenly I'm like, whoa, what the heck am I doing? You know what? You wake up in this dream and you're like, whoa, what what have I been doing all these years? And you start questioning <laughs> your own everything and you're like, why am I doing this? Do I really want to be doing this? Is this even true? You know? And yeah. I think it just kind of, you get you reach a breaking point where you become so frustrated with all the different things that deep down inside don't sit right with you. And then it kind of triggers these, the questioning of your own reality and why you do what you do. And, and, you know, we just, I think we tend to just discount the fact that we are born in a certain culture and from parents that teach us certain things and we just adapt them, trusting that that's the way it is. I should just do it the way they've done it because obviously they they probably know what they're doing. They're older and have more experience. So you just kind of trust that the people that have gone before you 
know what they're doing and you don't really need to do your own research. You just right. do it. You know, and that's kind of, I kind of compare this to um, my experience with, with uh, giving birth. I had my first two kids, my first two babies, I went, you know, just, just assumed, I guess we just go to the hospital and, and have an epidural. That's what everybody does. So I just right. did what everybody was doing without even doing my own research. And, and then my third baby, I was pregnant with my third and I started doing a little more research and I was like, oh my gosh, maybe I want to do a na- have a natural birth and maybe I want to have a baby at home. And I never really considered that because I wasn't even taking the time to do my own research and decide on my own. I just was doing what everybody else was what the majority of people were doing. And that applies to a lot of different things in my life. And so this awakening, I think, really allows me to be more proactive about my life and decide, wait, just because this is the most popular thing to do, or this is my culture, this is what my parents have done, is this really what is right for me? Or is this really what I want to do? So you kind of have to take a, a deep look within and discover who you really are aside from your culture, aside from your upbringing. Right. And that can be a little challenging sometimes. <laughs> like, that's why I felt like this in the beginning, I had a huge panic attack and then it kind of some lingering anxiety because suddenly I'm, I'm like having to trust in myself and that's scary. It's kind of scary to do that. You, you just want to trust other people and it, it kind of feels easier in a way to just follow the crowd. And to not have to do your own research, to not have to look within. I'll right. see what they're doing. You know, it's easier. Sort of like the double-edged sword. It's the it's the other side of you yeah. know if you want to take, um, no, knowing that you have all the answers within, that you don't need to look anywhere externally. Also, points to the idea of that kind of responsibility on you, and that I think that can be the daunting idea of. Um, yeah you know, the idea of whatever consequences come are because of what you, your choices were that came before. Yeah, exactly. You just feel, you just, yeah, definitely is a lot of pressure, but at the same time, it's, it's so unbelievably liberating and fulfilling because you feel like you're free from all these chains of what you thought you were or what you thought you're supposed to be. And, and you finally have this freedom to be like, who am I? Let's discover this. This is exciting. And I can discover it all on my own. And it doesn't have to look or be a certain way. And then, and then you just, it's everything kind of opens up for you and you just see the world so differently. And it's kind of exciting because you're like, oh, maybe I might like this. Oh, maybe I believe in this, you know, and it is kind of fun to just be so open to everything. I love what Wayne Dyer says open to everything but attached to nothing and that's my new motto because I've always just been attached to my own beliefs my whole life thinking I'm right everybody else is wrong if they're not in my church they they don't have all of the truth and I just like I think it's it's healthier for your mental state you know if we're talking about mental health I think it's a much healthier way to operate with with that you know with that mentality of let's just be open to everything but attached to nothing because that way we become more universally understanding and compassionate and loving of each other. And it's no more is it us against them or I'm right, you're wrong. It's like, how about we all just 
be right in our own way, you know? Yeah, I love that idea. That fits so perfectly with something that I think I've been learning or looking for answers to. A couple of nights ago, I was in um, an acting class with one of our favorite coaches here in the city, and I was struggling with the idea of the power of thoughts and how with some characters that we play, especially if they are characters that are very far away from who we want to associate ourselves with, you know, characters yeah. uh, in those those darker realms, the, the characters that are not seen as the good guys in the movies. Yeah. Um, I was struggling with that idea of, well, if we are bringing those thoughts into our minds and believing that we are these people so that our audiences also believe this journey and this story, what are we doing to our minds by incorporating those thoughts? And you put it so perfectly, that idea of, which I guess comes from Wayne Dyer, Dr. Wayne Dyer, the idea of being open to everything, but knowing that you're not tethered to that, that you can let that thought go and it doesn't have to stay with you. It doesn't have to become part of your identity. It, it is a freeing feeling. That means you, yeah. no matter what you have experienced, there is always space for new, new growth. I love that. Yeah, that's a that's that's very interesting. I I think I like that. Um, just thinking of what it is like to, as actors, to have to p- play certain roles, and and is is there an effect on your mental health because of it? And I think you put it so perfectly that you know, it. Is, I think by you trying to really get into the character of the role that you're playing it does provide you with more compassion because you're fully trying to understand what a person with that personality or those motives are like, you know? So I think by you putting yourself in that um, frame of mind, it, it only allows for more compassion and understanding of all different types of people. And then, you know, and then it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be attached to that character. You just let it go. You experience it for the role, and then you let it go. You move on, and you become, and you main, you just maintain who you are. And I also believe that, like your thoughts, um, create your reality. But it takes a lot more work than just playing a role here and there. You know, it's like it takes yeah. a lot of repetition and a lot of, I think, even years of practicing certain thoughts and um, ways of seeing things to for it to become permanent you know absolutely did this shift in spirituality happen after you had all four children and and has that affected the way that you've raised them in terms of their path of spirituality and what they are finding for themselves yes for sure my my youngest is five now and this this awakening happened a year ago and a lot it has been it's it is definitely like peeling back the layers of an onion because over the past year we continue to um discover new things and discover things about the way we've been doing things and deciding hmm maybe we don't want to do it this way anymore and i love sabari uh, shafali sabari the the author of the awakened family and the conscious parent I read both of those and it was really eye-opening for me because it, it allows you to kind of um, see your role as a parent a whole lot different, uh, differently. And, and you start to 
she teaches how to really detach from your ego and mm. stop forcing your beliefs and your um, your ideal future onto your children. And I think in the religion, it, that's all we do is we are forcing our beliefs. We are planning out their lives. You know, we're like, okay, you got to do this. They have to believe this. They have to read this, the Book of Mormon. And we, we have to go to church every Sunday. And they have to believe this. You're basically forcing it on them. You're not even giving them a choice, really. They, you know, they get baptized when they're eight. And I mean, it just feels like that's all we're doing. We prepare them to go on a mission, like in our church, um, most uh, kids at age 18, 19, 20 will serve a full-time service mission to preach the gospel. And so they'll go anywhere in the world called by the prophet, and they are told to go a certain country and or even a certain state in the U.S., and they spend 18 months to two years of their life uh devoting a hundred percent of their time. Like you, you get a half a day off once a week and wow. that's only so, so that you can do, um, you can do your laundry, write a letter home to your family and only recently, and you don't get to watch TV or movies or listen to music unless it's like church hymns or, um, and you're, you're, you're out, you have to wake up at six thirty in the morning, you study for a couple of hours and then you leave and you're out on the street knocking doors or talking to people in the community service and you're just doing a hundred percent of and I did this mission I went to Germany I was there for 18 months and it's a very very intense you don't get to call your family you don't get to there's no cell phones you you um you get to talk to them twice a year Mother's Day and Christmas and you can write letters once a week and that's about it and it's very yeah it's crazy to think about all the different the way how much how devoted I was and how consumed I was with it and yeah so you you prepare your kids to go on a mission and you and you hope for that and then you also hope and prepare them to um get married in the temple which is a whole other thing like they get married yeah. and, uh, they and there's you know polygamy polygamy is a big part of the history of our church, which it does kind of say in the temple ceremony that you will be in the afterlife. You will probably be in a <laughs> a, a polygamous family again in the afterlife. So you may have sister wives. Your husband may be married to other women, and yeah. So it's just it's crazy yeah. to think back now and be like. Yeah, I never liked the the fact that our church practiced polygamy, and so why am I following this religion? Like, I hate the fact I would never want to be a polygamist, but I believe that God called these men and women to to practice polygamy, and I guess I thought that yeah. So I just, I think I had some anger and resentment towards God too, thinking like, why would you do this to us? Yeah. <laughs> so that is one of the most and liberating parts of leaving my religion realizing that oh I don't have to do, do that and I can still be in God's favor or have you know have a connection with God and and be guided in my life and feel this uh, feel like I am growing spiritually without 
all the major demands that I had so many demands in that religion. Right. Yeah. And it sounds like it really is laid out for you from day one, from birth. You have, you're born into a mission that isn't your choice. It's, it's already written down for you. Yeah. <laughs> and yep. it, it reminds me of, um, I'm reading a book right now by Eckhart Tolle, New Earth. And you mentioned oh. him as one of the writers that you read as well in one of the last episodes that you put out. And it resonates with that idea of all the different sorts of religions that, do claim to be the one and only truth, even though they diverge from one another, and how those who practice it so deeply that they allow it to become part of their identity, it's it's yes. almost, in a way, it cuts away from that openness you were talking about, that freedom to find anything else that hasn't already been written down in that scripture for you. And now yes. you talk about, you know, crystals and meditation, and I, I don't know a lot about being a Mormon, but I'm, I'm assuming that's something that's very different from the practice. Do they practice with crystals or the same kind of meditation that you practice with today? No, it's, I do a lot of things differently now. And I, I like, I definitely prefer it over what I was taught to do my entire life. It always felt very monotonous and, um, insincere. It was the, you know, you use a lot of the same language in your prayers and you have to say it a certain way and start, begin it a certain way, end it a certain way, use a certain kind of language in your prayer. And it just felt really inauthentic. I didn't like feeling this, um, like I, I should be saying it exactly this way. Or sometimes I'd want to say a prayer in my mind, laying down in bed. And I felt this major guilt that, oh my gosh, I need to get on my knees. I need to get oh, up. I'm wow. so tired, but I need to get up and get on my knees. Otherwise God's going to be angry with me. He's going to be a little disappointed, like that I don't have enough respect for him. And so there's just a lot of little tiny things that I'm noticing little by little, the longer I've been out. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I remember when I had to do this. I remember when I thought this, like you have to wear a certain kind of underwear as well. Like when you, you know, before you go on a mission or when you get married in the temple, you have to wear these uh, underwear day and night and if oh. you don't wear them all the time that's another thing I felt a lot of guilt about like if I they say you know you can wear them to to work out like you know you don't have to take you don't have to wear different underwear to go uh, and they're like they're underwear that go to your knees and they're like they're like a cat sleeve top you have to wear them underneath it has to be touching your body so you can't wear regular underwear and you wear the bra you wear your bra over the top so if I ever didn't wear them to go to the gym, I felt guilty. Or if I was, you know, I'd go, sometimes it'd be hot in the summer and I'd go, I'd go to the gym and without my garments, they're called garments. And then I'd kind of be like, eh, I don't feel like getting in them right now. It's hot. I'm going to be outside. And, and then I just feel this guilt that I, I need to be in my garments or even embarrassment if people in my neighborhood, because I live in Utah, a huge community of Mormons and, you know, we're all part of this, a certain, in, in the neighborhood, we're, we all go to the, this church in our neighborhood. And so we all kind of know each other. We have this community because we see each other every Sunday. And so if I was ever out, like riding my bike or just playing around with my kids in the neighborhood and people saw me in shorter shorts that are, you know, it's obvious that I'm not wearing my garments or I'm wearing a tank top because it's hot and it's the summer. I felt really embarrassed and, and 
of what people were thinking of me, what my fellow Mormons were thinking of me. Like, oh my gosh, she's wow. not wearing yeah. her garments. She needs to go put her garments on, you know. Yeah. And so you spend a lot of time, you know, thinking about what's in their heads whether, rather than yeah. even just yeah. being in your own mind. Exactly. I worried a lot about what everyone was thinking of me. And I don't know why, why I worried so much. I think it is part of the culture that we kind of, um, we have all these expectations on other people and on ourselves and on other people. So it is, you know, I, I'm, I, I believe that I'm not a gossiper. And so I wouldn't really participate in, you know, you know, ask, talking with other girls, like, oh, did you see her? Like, she, like, never wears her garments. Or I wonder why she's not coming to church. You know, I wouldn't really participate in conversations like that, but it is very common in the culture, you know. And, and they kind of justify it, like, oh, we're just concerned. We just want to help them. But it does yeah. feel like a lot of gossip, you know. Everybody's concerned for each other, you know, mm-hmm. and it feels more like everybody's judging you instead of being concerned it's more feels like judgment like oh we got to help her look at her she's not you know she and you know if you do any oh I don't know there's just so much I could go into but probably (laughs) it would take hours and hours (laughs) there's just a lot let's just leave it at that there's a lot yeah so then what does your practice look like now what do you do with crystals oh yeah I and that's funny because um also in the, the Mormon religion, they really advise against anything metaphysical or um, scientific or even like homeopathic healing. Like they really say, you know, like trust in the power of the priesthood. You don't need to spend money on, on um, these holistic healers. You can use the power of the priesthood. And, and that was, kind of something that really bothered me and I because I really believe that um we all have so much power within us you don't need the priesthood to to heal yourself or to heal others um you know because only only men have the priesthood too women don't get the priesthood and so we would so crystals for me have kind of opened up this new realm for me of you know science where I was never open to because in our religion we're taught that well like science is good and all but you know they just you know we you know the religion knows more than scientists you know basically that's what it all comes down to so I never really trusted science to be as as um yeah I just trusted more of my church over science so now knowing that there's feeling as though that science is legit. (laughs) It really helps me. I'm just like, Oh, science is good. That's cool. You know, there's research and studies and, you know, why didn't I want to believe this before? Mm -hmm. And um, so now it's cool. There is a lot of science behind crystals and the energy, the, the energy that comes from crystals. And so it is very fascinating for me to, now be open to all this new information and and you'd be learning about you know the actual how they're able to really gauge and measure the energy that comes from these rocks that you know come from the earth and the earth is made up of energy I mean it all makes sense to me and I I, I mean it sound, it might sound a little like 
out there for people, for some people, because you know, it's like, oh, this this, this rock can heal you. And <laughs> yeah, um, but it's right up our alley. Cody and I are really interested in crystals. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, but I think when, if people just kind of open up their minds a little bit, they will discover that there's there's actually a lot of incredible research and studies around these things. That it's not just like you know, and and I do believe in the power of the mind, and there there is a lot of research backing that as well. So it's not just like just believe, you know, just have faith. It's like there's actual information and um, scientific studies that that can you know provide that confirmation for you that it's not just it's not as out there as you think it is, you know? Yeah. Well, it's funny how so many people, so many people are so ready to purchase iPhones that have magnets and stones and, and different sorts of minerals that make them work, but we don't know how they work. We'll just buy the iPhone because we know it works. But (laughs) then when it comes to actually understanding the science of what those are doing for our technology, well, why, why can they not do something for our corporeal form too? Yeah. Exactly. And even with this new, I, I've been really learning about grounding lately, which is funny that I didn't, um, I didn't really know this. Maybe a lot of people already know the power, the, the benefits of walking barefoot on the earth. And that might to some people sound a little out there as well, but it's like, well, there's that, you know, we all know that the, the earth is made up of energy and everything's made up of energy and our you know, electricians even would understand the importance of being grounded. That's, you know, that we have every, all the um, wires in our electricity have to be grounded that, you know, if you look at all the, 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 where our electricity comes from, there has to be something grounding that electricity into the earth. So it is in the earth and then it goes out throughout your house, you know? So it just uh, makes a lot of sense once you, you know, do a little of the, the research and realize, oh, this is all very scientific, not just, yeah. you know, like, just be so, like, connected to the earth, you know, like, some people <laughs> just make fun of that and think it's just, like, a hippie thing, but it's really not as as um, hippie-ish as some people think, you know? Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, even as actors, we talk about, you know, doing grounded scene work as opposed to not being too charactery or going over the top in, in some sort of expression and even even grounding with crystals or through yoga, Tanya and I do a lot of yoga, that I haven't made that analogy before, that idea of absolutely you need to ground something, even if you're just um, connecting two cars to respark a battery, you have to have a grounding somewhere and it's it's so it's everywhere. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. yeah. true. It's a it's a fascinating idea when it comes to healing yourself as well. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we, we are coming up on, uh, we're close to 45 minutes here, or 40 minutes. So as we wrap up, I know we spoke about uh, having one cool thing, if, and you said that you do have one, right? Yeah, I do. And I was going to mention Eckhart Tolle's book, but... Oh, cool. Because that has been kind of like my Bible, I guess, <laughs> my new Bible, because <laughs> he's, he's taught me so much. Like, I'm, I love the power of now, and I love a new earth. And one thing that I really do love to do now, it's kind of like a new practice for me, is I like to uh, listen to a lot of podcasts and books while I 
I do these things called, I call them my wannabe balanced painted rocks. So I paint these rocks white and then I draw a little elephant on them. And it, which is like the symbol of my book. My book is called My Life as a Wannabe Balanced Mom. And I, and on the cover of the book is an elephant. It's a mom elephant with a baby elephant. She's trying to balance on, on a ball. And, um, but I really, in my book, I talk about the significance of elephants in my life, but, and with a lot of other stories about my life, but. Your, your book, it's a, it's a personal account. Is it a book about different tips for other mothers as well in finding balance? Yeah, it's, it's basically, um, it's, it's definitely a lot of what I share, like similar things that I share on my podcast, a lot of personal development, spiritual development. I share um, different stories uh, from my 13 years of motherhood, even from my life growing up. I talk a little bit about my my faith transition that I had a year ago, and um, and how you know just shares all the details of what it was like to lose my religion and to suddenly feel like I have no foundation now, but how that can actually be it feels like you're falling down this deep dark black hole but eventually as you allow that feeling and emotion to pass you begin to feel like you're flying so it's it is kind of a cool concept to realize that we don't have to be um have this firm foundation of what is true it's like and and feel like we have a ground to be um, to something sturdy to stand on. Why not get comfortable with the not knowing and the flying? Like without without having something firm to hold on to, it's like you can get to a place of feeling comfortable in the discomfort of not knowing where we go after we die or where we came from. Which is it's still all fascinating to me. I love learning about everybody's different beliefs, but. You don't have to know, which I thought I knew in the religion. I always thought, like, we know where we came from. We know where we're going after we die. We have all the answers. But to get to this place of not having all the answers, it's scary at first. But eventually you realize that this is where it's at. This is, I think it is a big life lesson for us to get to a place of, you don't have to know everything. And you can actually get to a place of comfort in the discomfort of not knowing. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's profound. I feel like I'm on um, the beginning of that journey right now. So it's really cool to have it reflected back in your story to hear it from you. And part of it feels kind of random, but at the same time, if I think about that power of thought, I think I also played a part in, in drawing you to me and having this conversation. So it's, it's exciting to, you know, you live down in Utah and I'm up in Toronto, Canada. We're connected yeah. and having this conversation. I find that so fascinating. I know. Mm. Me too. I love, you know, getting to the root of how I connect with different people. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's really cool how we connected. Yeah. And my one cool thing is connected to this idea of crystals. I recently came across a little crystal shop up north as I was visiting a friend and I met a store owner, crystal shop owner, who was the daughter of a geologist. So she had a wealth of information when it came to the actual 
uh, not only metaphysical properties, but the chemical properties, the, uh, I, the different sorts of minerals in our earth and where they come from, how they're formed and the difference between different rocks. And I didn't realize that so many shops in Toronto that sell citrine, one of my favorite stones, were actually, I guess, unwittingly selling a different kind of a rock. It was actually a heated amethyst, um, but they were selling it as citrine and citrine is a little bit more rare, a little bit more expensive. And she she showed me the difference. She took me around the shop and showed me different stones and took me into the other side of the shop where there's a museum that has a lot more rare stones. And it was super fascinating. It kind of shifted my idea of, well, I've been sitting and meditating with um, stones, different ones on different days, but with the idea of having a little bit of information as to what their properties are and intentionally choosing a stone that I wanted to sit with because of its properties. And it made me think about all the days that I sat with a stone thinking that it was actual citrine when it was actually heated amethyst. And if that... Mm -hmm meant anything different if that changed my idea of what that practice was for me uh, or if the power of my thought you know actually being aligned with in that moment believing that it was a dream was it still doing what I thought it was doing Um, so I just found that super fascinating so I'll I'll also put a link up to whatever information I can find or at least the pictures of the differences between the two different stones one being a true citrine and one being a heated amethyst yeah, I learned about that recently too, and I I kind of got cool. the same thing. Like, well, where where is the line between the power of your mind and the actual properties of of these stones and the yeah. earth and different even different supplements that we take? It's like, how far can we go with the power of our mind? You know? Yeah, almost like a placebo effect, maybe. Yeah, yeah, but you know, I love I I did an interview with a crystal expert on my podcast. High oh, amazing. And she says, she says, well, if you think about it, everything is a placebo effect. And is that bad? Like, no, if it works, it works. You know, <laughs> the placebo effect is the power of your mind. Why can't we embrace it? Why can't we it, it not give it this negative connotation? Like, oh, it's just the placebo effect. It's like, well, who cares? Like, yeah. If it works, it works. It's the power yeah. of your mind. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I find that super cool. Mm-hmm. What about you, Tanya? Yeah. Do you have a one cool thing? has nothing to do with crystals. It doesn't have to do with crystals. Um, well, I've just been, <laughs> I've been getting into writing lists lately. Um, I've got such a busy mind and always I, a few weeks ago I found myself just overwhelmed with my own thoughts and um, started just writing lists about absolutely everything in my life from flossing my teeth to what I need to do tomorrow to what I need to do next month to get everything in order. And um, I just find within like the past two weeks, my mind has been so much more clear. So I've really been uh, into writing lists lately. So that's my one cool thing is if you've got a busy mind like me, just write it all down. (laughs) I love that. Cool. Oh, I love all of our cool things on this episode. (laughs) Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Crystal, for joining us today. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I covered a lot, so thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, it was a great, it was a wonderful and beautiful and deep conversation. Thank you so much for joining us. All right, you're welcome. We'll see you later. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Bye. Thanks. Bye.
If you like this podcast, you can support it by subscribing to it on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also leave us a rating or review, which sincerely helps us and we absolutely love. Come hang out with us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and send us your questions, recommendations, and cool things at we're totally not okay at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to We're Totally Not Okay. But that's okay.